Thank you all again for being here at this uh, beautiful Resurrection Sunday. I'm so glad that we can all celebrate Easter together. I want to get right into the message this morning. As you heard from Jeff reading John 20, 1 through 11, I want to highlight one verse. It says in verse 9, For as yet they, the disciples, did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. They saw the empty tomb. They did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. It was true then. It is true now. We still don't understand the scriptures that he must rise from the dead. Today is the day. Today is the day we celebrate that he is risen. And yet we still don't understand the scriptures that he must rise from the dead and that he did. Why do I say that? Because I say over and over again that he is risen. Yet what does that mean? Because people say, hey man, Monday cometh. Give me something, preacher man. Yes, Monday comes. What it means is that Jesus is alive, that our faith, Christianity, is based on that fact. If you get nothing else, if you can't get Noah, if you can't get creation, if you can't get some of the stuff in the Old Testament, hey, you got to get that he rose from the dead. You got to get that he is risen. Our faith begins and ends on a historical fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, that his heart literally stopped beating and then started again. That's what it's all about. It's not based on an idea. It's not based on a philosophy. It is based on a fact, a historical event, that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Now then, if you know that, what we say, what we profess, what we pre preach is that he will bring new life. He rose from the dead, he came back to life, and that he can bring new life in us. But what does that mean? Well, what I would say it means is new life knowing that Jesus Christ is Lord. Okay, you may have heard that. You may have said, man, I heard that in Sunday school. I learned that. But no, here's what I'm saying is that he's Lord of your life, that nothing else is Lord of your life, and you are not Lord of your life. And let me just go ahead and put all my cards on the table now, since it's Easter and y'all are here. I will say that I think many of you, for many of you, Jesus is not Lord of your life. And that is going to be a big problem. That's a big issue. That's why we do what we do is because we want Jesus to be Lord of your life, and he can be because he's risen, and we believe that. So if he is risen, if he has victory over death, that he is Lord of all. He is Lord of creation. He is Lord of redemption. He is Lord in Colossians 1. He is Lord of the universe, and he should be, and we want him to be Lord of your life. But it's difficult. It's challenging. Why? Because there's so much other stuff out there that becomes Lord of our lives. Houses become Lord of our lives. Spouses become Lord of our lives. Families become Lord of our lives. Things become Lord of our lives. Vacations become Lord of our lives. Boats, trips, toys, all of that becomes Lord of our lives over and above Christ. But Christ is the one who's defeated death. Christ is the one who's risen. He ultimately should be Lord. That's why we here. That's why we do this. And we want him to be Lord. But what does it look like? I mean, what does a life look like when Jesus is Lord? Well, I want to talk about three types of people today. Three types of people when Jesus is Lord, that what their life 
looks like. The first is the sinner. Now, hey, we're all sinners. I mean, you know, we're all broken. We've all got sin in us. We've all got sin in our hearts. All of us are sinners. But I'm talking about like explicit sin. I'm talking about like sin that just, you know, we see that's all out there. I'm talking about sin that the culture, that the world looks down on, rubs their noses in, you know, it's just explicit sin. Here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like addiction. I'm talking about like drunkenness. I'm talking about like affairs and adultery and all that. When you're just like, man, I'm just, I'm just all in this sin, pastor, brother. I mean, I got all this sin in my life. You know, maybe it's greed. Maybe it's, you know, doing bad things in business deal. It's things that the world would look at and see and say, oh, yeah, see that brother, see that sister. They are a sinner. They are an explicit sinner. Jesus can be Lord of the sinner. We see this in Scripture. The best case, uh, the best person that we can look at is Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene, who we read, who was the first one who ran to the tomb and saw that it was empty, continued in John 20, verse 11. It says, Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you had carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. Called her by her name, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabbi, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. He knew her by name. He called her by name Mary. This was Mary Magdalene, a very, very explicit sinner. What do I mean by that? Well, she was a prostitute. Okay? She gave herself up to men. She threw her body around. She was a prostitute. She was ran out of town. She was nearly stoned. Many think it was her when Jesus said, Ye who is without sin cast the first stone. And then he turned to her and said, Now go, your sins are forgiven, but go and sin no more. She was a prostitute. Another place in Scripture says that Jesus had healed her of seven demons. I mean, one demon is bad enough, but seven demons? I mean, she's, she's a pretty big sinner here. She's got a lot going on. She's struggling with a lot. Healed her from demons. Prostitute. Very explicit, very out and open, very much someone that people would look at and say, man, she, at least I'm not her. She's bad. She's damaged goods. And yet she calls Jesus Lord. Why? Why? He knew her. He loved her. He accepted her. He forgave her. He embraced her. For Mary Magdalene, Jesus was Lord. And then, as after he rose from the dead, she was the first one that he showed himself to. And he called her by name. And she said, My Lord. She said, Teacher. Mary Magdalene would go on to become a disciple, a leader of the disciples. She would go on to be a missionary into Italy and into France because Jesus was her Lord. Jesus had saved her. Jesus had rescued her, and he can do the same for you. Now here at Bellwether, we got some explicit sinners, and praise God for that. Hey, we want explicit sinners. 
So, if I mean, we're all sinners, but if you're like out in the open, if everybody's seeing you, if everybody knows your sin, hey, come here. We'll love you. We'll embrace you. Why? Because Jesus will love you and embrace you. And the message we want to share with you, the message we want to proclaim is, if you're in this explicit sin, look to Jesus. He will love you. He will embrace you. He will accept you. He will rescue you. He will save you. That's what we want to proclaim. And he'll heal you of our explicit sin and restore you and redeem you and change your life. That's what we want. That's why we're here. I, uh, I heard a story of a, a church in Dallas, mega church, big church, Dallas, you know, it's in the Bible Belt like we are. And uh, talking about explicit sin, talking about a church who, who loves having explicit sinners there, who wants them to know Christ and grow in Christ. The challenge for us is that sometimes we can see these explicit sinners and we can be like, no, nah, man, I, I don't know if I want them in my church. I don't know if we want them in our church, but we do and we need them. And so anyway, this church in Dallas had uh, Easter service, great Easter service, powerful. The pastor the next day or the next week got emails, hey, powerful Easter service, you know, just totally, totally uh, blew the roof off. But this person who was emailing the pastor said, you know, I was walking in and I kind of was a little offended because I saw some people who were smoking uh, coming into the church. And I wouldn't have had that big of a problem with it, but then I saw them that these people were leading worship. And so the pastor said, well, you know, I mean, what were they smoking? And the person, you know, replied back, said cigarettes. And then the pastor said, man, praise God. That's what we call discipleship. At least they weren't smoking something else. I mean, that's what we call growing in Christ. They were, they were on the pathway to sanctification, to holiness. What I'm saying is, we'll take anybody. We'll take you in your explicit sin, but we don't want you to stay there. And we'd say, go and sin no more. And whether if it's moving from cigarettes, from something else, hey, man, we'll, we'll take you, but we want you to grow in Christ and grow in holiness. We want you to know Jesus as Lord. He's Lord of the sinner. He's also Lord of the skeptic. Who's the skeptic? The skeptics are the folks who are like, man, I, you know, I get kind of this Jesus thing, you know, good teachings, and um, yeah, he can maybe get me a better life, maybe he can help me make more money. Um, maybe it's the best way to live my life, but, you know, risen, uh, victory over death, you know, heart stopped beating, started beating again. I don't know if I can get that. I mean, they're, they're skeptical about that. And honestly, we probably got a lot of skeptics here today, just as we probably got a lot of explicit sinners here today. Being Easter, this is the CEO day, you know, Christmas and Easter only. Although I give a little bit more grace, I call them CMEs, Christmas, Mother's Day, and Easter. But hey, we probably got some sinners and skeptics here today. And I know you've sat in Sunday school, you've gone to church every now and then, and you kind of like Jesus, but hey, victory over death, race from the grave, skeptical. Well, you're not alone. In Scripture, there was a skeptic. The best case, the best person to highlight is Thomas. Jesus had raised from the dead. He appeared to the disciples. Thomas, the disciple, was not there. So Thomas said, hey, unless I put my hands in his, uh, his side, unless I see the scars in his own hands, I'm not going to believe. So the disciples were gathered together. Doors were locked. Jesus appeared, and Thomas was there. And what happens? Look at John chapter 20, verse 26. It says, eight days later, the disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here 
and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed. Thomas, the skeptic, he sees Jesus. He puts his hands into his side. He sees the scars on his hands. And he says, My Lord and my God. He professes Jesus Lord. He also professes Jesus as God. And interestingly, the Greek word here for God is the same Greek word for God used in John chapter 1 where it says the word was flesh, the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. That Jesus is God, that Jesus created the universe, that Jesus was with God before anything was created. That Jesus is Lord over all and he is God. And Thomas the skeptic is professing this now. Then Jesus goes on to say, hey, you have believed because you have seen. Blessed are those who believe and do not see. And you know what? That's us. That's us. Because, you know, we don't have Jesus here in his, his physical uh, body. He'll be back one day again. We have the Holy Spirit now, but we don't have the physical Jesus. We don't, we don't literally see the scars in his hands. We don't literally see where the spear went into his side. So we, we can't see, but yet we need to believe. And that's why so many people are skeptical because, hey, we can't, we can't see. It's, it's based on faith. So if you're here today, if you're a skeptic, let me just preach, tell you a few things that hopefully will turn you, that maybe will make you say, my Lord and my God, that this is proof, proof of a risen Savior. Proof is Jesus in Scripture said he would die. Jesus died. It was pretty clear. No one could have lived past what he lived through on the cross, being in the tomb for that long. He died. He died. Then his body was not there. The tomb was empty. Now, many folks say, hey, his disciples stole the body. Hey, they could not have pushed past the rock. His grave, nowhere to be found. But even more so, It's the change in his disciples. I mean, they went from mild, meek, scared men to bold proclaimers of the word of God, of Jesus being risen from the dead. They were changed. It was like overnight. They were preaching the gospel and they were proclaiming over and over again that he is risen. They started churches. They started churches in Jerusalem. They started churches in the Middle East from Antioch into Europe. Corinth, Rome, Ephesus. They were planting these churches and the faith, what we call Christianity, grew and it grew. It grew into Europe. It grew into the New World, into the colonies, into America. Now it's grown all over the world and if he's not risen, then all this is one big sham and man, it is a big sham to put on. More so than that, people have died because he's risen. I always say it like this, what would make, I mean, what would, how could a rational person allow themselves to willingly be thrown to lines? And that's what happened. The Roman Empire would, would get Christians and chain them up and lock them up and just say, hey, tell us that Caesar is Lord and not Jesus is Lord. And they would say no. They would say, Jesus Kyrios, Jesus is Lord. They would say, no, please say, Kaiser Kyrios, Caesar's Lord. And they would say, no, Jesus is Lord to the lines. People are martyred today. People are martyred all around the world by proclaiming Jesus is Lord. 
What makes men and women do this? He is risen. If you're here and you're skeptical, I would, I would pray, I would hope that you would see what he said, what he did, and now the evidence of the fact of his resurrection is all over the world and that you would begin to believe. You would believe and not have to see that he is Lord over all. He's Lord of the sinner. He's Lord of the skeptic. And he's Lord of the saint. You say, saint? What do you mean? Like saints are, saints are Christians. You know, Saint Paul, you know, Saint Matthew, Saint Peter, all that saint. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people who either think they're a saint now or look to someone else besides Jesus as a saint. The best case that we got of this, the, the biggest example we got of this would be Paul in Scripture. Paul, who before he was Paul, see, was Saul. And Saul thought he was a really holy dude. Thought he was a saint. Why? Because he was raised in the best schools, learning religion, learning Judaism, learning how to be a holy man. And then he was trained under the best teachers. I mean, he did all the right things. He took all the right steps. He dotted his I's. He crossed his T's. He was, he was leading up to be this, this holy man. And then he saw these other people, men, women, start saying, hey, I can get close to God through Christ. He started seeing thieves on the cross be saved. He started seeing prostitutes being saved. He started seeing people who were like, they haven't studied they haven't learned. They haven't done the right things. They haven't been religious. And now they're saying that they can get to God through this man, Jesus Christ. Kill them. Throw them in jail. Drag them off in chains. Who do they think they are? And Paul thought he was like this holy, religious, saintly guy until he met the risen Lord Jesus. He gives an account of this in 1 Corinthians 15. And if you have time today, read all of 1 Corinthians 15. It's Paul writing on the resurrection. We don't have time right now to read all of it, but he gives an account of his salvation. 1 Corinthians 15, starting with verse 3, Paul writes, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. Paul thought he was a saint. Paul did all the right things. Paul was learning all the right stuff, reading all the right books, having all the right teachers, trying to be holy. And then he met Jesus. And then he says, and I love this, it's only by the grace of God I am what I am. See, here's what I'm talking about, saints. People who think their knowledge and their works and their being really good Christians and their being really holy is going to get them in good with God and then they look down 
on everybody else, then Jesus isn't Lord. Really and truly, you're Lord. And your holiness is Lord. And your knowledge is Lord. And your good works is Lord. And we want Jesus to be your Lord. How do you know you're a saint? You're a saint if you look around and all you see are a bunch of sinners and skeptics. And so now we got some saints here. Just like we got sinners and skeptics, we got saints here who are doing the right thing and trying to learn the right stuff. And sometimes they look down at folks who are the explicit sinners or maybe who are skeptics. And I would just say, hey, make Jesus Lord. Why? Because it's nothing that you have done. It's only by the grace of God that we are what we are and that we're all in the same boat. And it's only His grace and His mercy poured over us that changes us. And then we can say it's only because of what He's done, not because of what we do. And let me say that again. It is not about anything that we do. Not me as a preacher, as a proclaimer. Not you as a saint that you may think you are. It is only what Christ has done. It's not about what we do. It's about what Jesus has done. Lord of the sinner. Lord of the skeptic. Lord of the saint. We want Jesus to be Lord for you. And you know, we're all here together in one church. One very broken, one very imperfect church. And we got a bunch of sinners. I know we're all sinners, but I mean like explicit sinners. And we got some skeptics. And we got some saints, but for this place, for this house, for this church, Jesus is going to be Lord. Now, always. Now, he always has been Lord, and man, if we haven't proclaimed that as much, man, I repent of that. But he is going to be Lord as we move forward together. And sometimes sinners and saints disagree, and sometimes skeptics and sinners disagree. But if Jesus is Lord, we can come together, we can be united, we can move forward with Jesus as Lord. This is an exciting time, an exciting season in the life of this church where Jesus is Lord. God's blessed us. He's led us. And now we're saying we're taking the next step and we're setting a goal. By the end of 2013, 2013, our goal is to be in a permanent place. Did you hear me right? Did you hear me good there? Hope so. That may have woken some of you up. I'm not saying we're going to have or obtain. I'm saying we're going to be in a permanent place by the end of 2013. So that's 20 months. 20 months that I want us to start praying. Easter's about new life. This is new life for our church. Praying and being just humble for God to guide us to the right place where Jesus will be Lord as we take this next step together. I want to thank everyone who's served, everyone who's given, everyone who's given of their time and their energy to set up and to take down and to to teach and to welcome. And I want to share with you, hey, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Not that it's hard or anything, but you know, we have set up and taken down now for the last four years. It is time and we want to set a goal. God's blessed us. We can do this. We're going to do this in having a permanent place where we can profess and proclaim even more to this place, to Jackson, Mississippi and into the world that Jesus is Lord. He's Lord of this church, Lord of sinners, Lord of skeptics, Lord of saints, and then last, for your life, is he Lord? We have dogwoods up here on stage. Our cross that we have every Sunday morning, we have dogwoods all over this cross. And I do this, we do this, and I love this because I love the dogwood. It is a, it is a natural symbol of Easter. Why? Well, you, 
look at the dogwood and it's it's got like the crown in the center and it's white and then they're they're red uh, the ends they're a little red look almost like stains on the white and it's a natural symbol uh, of Easter it blooms only for a couple weeks always around Easter and so I use the dogwood to ask is Jesus Lord of your life because I think when Jesus is Lord of your life your life looks a lot like a dogwood and what do I mean by that well if you take the dogwood again and you look at it as your life there's Christ in the center the crown not the crown of thorns but the crown of a king king of kings lord of lords then the petals go out all white that only by Jesus being lord and him king are you made white as snow are you given new life and then it's by the blood of the cross by the red blood of the cross at the ends that you're made whole and then you know there's one other thing about the red and if, if your life if your life is like this if your life represents Jesus Lord then yes there's been sin in the past and that sin has has stains but see with the dogwood with this red on the end it's so much prettier I mean it could be you know just all white and would be beautiful but these little red ends make it so much more so much more beautiful and I think it's the same with us even with our sin God uses that sin to help other believers, to help other people become believers. And so we don't have to look at our sin as all bad, but that God's going to use that. And that God sees us, even in our past sin, as so beautiful to Him, with Jesus in the center, the new life in white, done by the blood of Christ. And with our sin, even with our sin, God looks at us whole and complete. We want you to have new life in Christ. Easter Resurrection Sunday is about new life. We want Jesus to be Lord, where He is in the center. The crown of Christ is in the center. You are made white by the blood of Christ. Will you make Him Lord of your life today, now? Will you do that Easter Sunday, Resurrection New life, Jesus, Lord. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you are Lord. Heavenly Father, you are risen. For all of us sinners and skeptics and those who think they're saints, may we know this in a deeper way, in a fuller way, today, now. Your Holy Spirit moves, your Holy Spirit convicts, convict and move these your people today thank you that they are here thank you for this church thank you for leading us and moving us to this point and now guiding us into our future and may we always proclaim that jesus is lord in the name of the risen christ in the name of our lord amen you know this time at the at the close we always have a response time we always have communion we don't have communion today. We had it Thursday night at Monday Thursday service. For those of y'all who missed, hope you'll be at next year's Monday Thursday service. But we still want to have a response time. And we still want you to come to the table of the Lord. We want you to come to the table of the Lord for prayer. We want you to come to the table of the Lord for the offering. We don't separate the offering from the response. It's all one. It's all what you give to God. So come with your offering. But also come. We have dogwoods now all along the Lord's table. 
And we are inviting you to come forward and just take a dogwood for yourself, an individual dogwood. And, and yes, they do happen to be fake. They, uh, they bloomed several weeks earlier. But these dogwoods are for you. We'd ask you to take one. But in taking one, we would ask you, make Jesus Lord of your life. And in looking at the dogwood with the crown and the white and the red, that Jesus is the center. He makes us white as snow by the blood of Christ. Will you do that today? I mean, this is Easter. This is Easter Sunday. It is new life. It is time. Let the Holy Spirit convict you. Respond and know Jesus as Lord. Amen.